We are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. Good day. And a snotty Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. How are you feeling, Rog? Good. You can't yes. fault my commitment to the cause, <laughs> no. John. I like the fact that last week we were in sweaty shorts and t-shirt and this week you're wearing a beanie. I've still got, <laughs> still got shorts on. <laughs> and what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I've got a pan head. Is that like medicinal? Does that help with your cold? Um, it's from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is not an answer. What are you drinking, Jeff? I'm drinking a parrot dog. Is that also from New Zealand? It wow, panhead parrot dog. It's, it's tiny can. This is the thing, right? I spend not a lot of money on beer in uh, one week. That's a normal can. Three thirty mil is it's a normal it? can for a Coke, not for a Wait, beer. Mine. Oh no, mine's three fifty five. Well, exactly, it's yeah. tiny, tiny can. You spend more on they beer, saw you get you coming. <laughs> well, I've got um, alcohol-free beer, which is crap. So that's good. Um, but we are Football Shed, we're here every week in Jeff's Shed, hence the name. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher now, which is for people who have Android phones. Um, so that's a new thing this week. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, uh, subscribe and tell your mates. If you want to get in contact with us, you can shoot us an email at um, footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed. Or now... You can just Google Football Shed, and at the top will appear footballshed.com, which is our fancy new website. Are we first on the list? Uh, I think so. Wow. How did we get that? Because no one else is called Football Shed. Wow, that's good, isn't it? First first on Google list. I mean, we're not competing with with much. No, there's not many Football Sheds in the world. We don't need to think of that. We're first on the list. When we started this... this, this, this amazing adventure <laughs> in the shed uh, three years ago, just over, whatever. Yeah. There was a, a shop in Brisbane called the Football Shed. That's yes. right. There was a, a football apparel store yes. where you could buy shirts and boots and, yeah. and said footballing items. And they've gone bust. Yeah. I think because they couldn't deal with our juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were, like we're stealing them their column inches, <laughs> yeah. weren't we? That's yeah. the thing. And, but now you Google, we're there, not yeah. this defunct store uh, momentum's a wonderful yes. thing until yeah. three years time we get sued <laughs> by a man who ran a shop once well it's, bankrupt. it's very very exciting though John that yeah. we have a website and um, everyone should go out and have a look yeah. and listen to the shed through the website because you can yeah and there's a few bits of uh, information about us and about the shed and the end feature results are all on there um, and yeah all the latest episodes are up there and you can even listen to the whole back catalogue if you want um, if you're so inclined but every week we do start with a question now last week's question I asked how many goals had Man City scored from the six yard box and you, the answer was 18 and you wanted to know what was second yeah. I found out and it's Liverpool with 15 so that makes Man City's total not look as impressive Aww. well that was why I asked the question yeah. you see that's not, yeah. that's not you haven't just asked a question you've just ruined a previous question no but the next question's coming no, oh, I, I appreciate that John fact-checked because I, got I, fact check. I asked the question. So Yeah, Tottenham were third with 13. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so it doesn't... See, in isolation, that seemed impressive. Yeah. But then give it some context and it's it's not it's actually not. as good. Yeah. Well, this week, the question's slightly different, but it is about Tottenham. Spurs have set a new record this weekend. What is the record that they have set? Um, it is... Is it the most amount of games without drawing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the question is, how many games have they gone without drawing in the Premier League? This is... 16? <laughs> no, they've not drawn this season, have they? No, they have not drawn this season. And how many with 
28 games into the season. 26. 26 games. I'm going to say 27. <laughs> uh, 32. 30. They've got 30 Premier League games without drawing. It's Which, a, wow. It's amazing. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge amount. The record I think that they should have been recognised for which isn't getting as much publicity as it should, is the highest league position whilst being actually a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon they're a bit shit? I do reckon they're a bit shit. Still? I, is this no. this, wait a minute, okay. is, this, is this the same school of thought that says Harry Kane is still a one-season wonder? <laughs> no, no, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to differentiate a few different points okay. here, right? So I'm going to... If you can ignore... The fact that I always say Spurs are shit and don't like Spurs very much. I actually want to just isolate their genuine performance and not my opinion of them. Yeah, okay. Just just this one time, because okay. the yeah. rest of my Spurs comments are usually based around my own personal bias. <laughs> but I actually think that they have had a poor season. I don't think they've performed well. I think that they have had scrappy wins all over the place. I think they're... they're was it Leicester they beat this week? 3-1? 3-1. I think that that... In itself, Leicester could have won that game easily. And that is a similar story to a lot of games I've watched Spurs play this year. The amount of times that you say, oh, it's, you know, it's great form if you, you win when you play badly. I don't think they've played well. I think they've won when they've played badly every time they've won. No, don't get me wrong, they beat Everton and they absolutely, they're absolutely thrashed us. And that's probably the game that they played the best because yeah. you need to play that well to beat Everton. <laughs> but I, I genuinely don't think they've hit the highs that they hit last year, the year before. Even I'm not excited, as excited by this year's Spurs as I was during Harry Redknapp's Spurs. Do you reckon that's though because they've matured a bit and they've learned how to win games? Because the the whole thing with Spurs, this team, is that they're very young and Pochettino's got them playing pretty well. But then when it came to big games, they kind of choke. Um, and now they've kind of found a way to make sure they win games, whatever the cost. They might not play the prettiest. They might have to play Lorente up front. They might have to play, Os- what was his name, Skip? Oliver Skip in centre midfield <laughs> this week, um, who's like 18 and never played before, um, and they just find ways to win. Isn't that just a maturity thing? Haven't they learned? Well, I, yeah, there's there's some there's some weight in what you're saying, but let's look at Liverpool as an example. So, so we talk about Liverpool of last season being more entertaining. Like yeah. we, we've we kind of accept that that is a fact. That when the front three were playing last year, it was breathtaking. They were conceding goals, but it didn't matter because they were scoring more and it was squashbuckling. And we spoke about the first half of this. Squash buckling or squash buckling? Squash buckling is just how you make juice. Well, which one would you prefer? Squash, squash. squash buckling. No, no, well, I, I like that you've made up a new word. Yeah, so let's go with it. So which one are we going to use? Squash yeah, buckling. Squash buckling. Squash buckling <laughs> football. Sorry, this beer is like 5.4%. That's, that's why I buy cheap beer. Um, so they were buckling some squashes. Uh, last year and it was it was amazing to to watch but we we accepted in the beginning of this year that essentially you can only you only have 10 outfield players on the pitch mm. you can only do so much with them so you either load your front you load your back and and you you know you either defend well for an attacking team or you attack well for a defensive team i don't think that spurs have made a conscious choice to become a more defensive team or to tighten up or to be more mature or to be more disciplined I actually think that they're defending poorly and they're attacking poorly, but they're winning games of football. So how are they winning games of football then? Scrappily. Well, I've got... But... I mean, I I don't think there's a huge amount in what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it. But, you know, 
one thing I would say in support of it is that we know that Spurs had a lot of players at the World Cup that went quite a long way and they had a lot of players that came back late from the World Cup. Mm. Um, and I think that has affected their like their continuity, certainly at the start of the of the season. Um, they've also had a few injuries. They've had Sun disappearing to um, to the Asian Cup. Uh, they've won every game since Harry Kane's been injured. Now, Harry Kane is integral to the way that Spurs play, and they've managed to find a way to win without him. Um, so I think it's four games he's been gone yeah. and four games they've won. Um, now, Spurs are in a position where they could still win the league. So imagine if they do get it together. Like, I mean, I, th- I think they have found a way to win ugly. And I mean, the... Pochettino's got a system that works. He's got players for a system. He's brought in some youngsters, and you know they've they've fitted in. And whilst they might not have blown teams away, like they're they've got results. And what, I mean, if they win the league, would you still say that they've played badly? Like the superlatives that've been thrown at Man City and Liverpool this year. You know, you talk about the city machine. Spurs are only five points behind. Look, you can play badly and win, and the, your league position, like your point, and this is going to sound like I don't, you know, it's going to sound absurd, <laughs> but your points tally doesn't represent the type of football you play. You, you know, if Man City came third this year, you would still say that their brand of football is the best that you've seen in your lifetime. Yeah, do, do, do you, think it's, you know yeah. what I mean? Do you think it's because a lot of the league isn't very good? No, I don't, I'm not making it relative. I'm saying that they, they are winning points, which is the purpose of league sport. However, as a team, they are not playing well. Does that mean there's scope for them to get better towards the end of the season? It does. It, well, at least for them to be more attractive, them to, to, to blow teams away in a, in a different fashion. You know, there, there's, I, if you shut your eyes and think of a Spurs performance, you're thinking of last year's Spurs performance. Yeah, I can't think of any like outstanding performances this season off the top of my head. But they I were just... good when they beat Chelsea in the um, yeah. Carabao Cup. In the Carabao Cup. Um, but I just think they're finding ways to win. And they play Dortmund tomorrow morning, which for me is one of the most exciting games of the season. Partly because I can't wait to see Jadon Sancho play. No Royce though, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, there's no Royce for Dortmund. And there's no Dortmund have got two or three players out. Spurs have got two or three players out. But I think it could be an awesome game because they both just play attacking football. They don't really know how to defend. Dortmund drew 3-0 at the weekend after being 3-0 up. Um, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, do they play attacking football? I know Dortmund do, but do Spurs this year? That Leicester game is a great example of that. Mm. They won 3-1, they got three points, it's great. But when you watch the game, it's not. And Leicester, from a Spurs perspective, perspective. Leicester were the better team that game, and Vardy missed the penalty with his first kick. Did you see that? He came yeah, on yeah. as a sub to take the penalty. Um, Which was a bit bizarre. Like It's all yeah. very well being your penalty taker, but that's a fair bit of pressure. Yeah, Harvey Barnes, your boy Harvey Barnes, missed a couple of decent chances as well. So you could say Leicester were the better team, but I just... like. You know that I think Pochettino is great, and I just think he's done a really good job at Spurs. And I kind of still want them to win the league because that would be really good. Three horse, it's the, I reckon it's a three-horse race. You can't you can't discount them, particularly say if they go out of the Champions League and Man City and Liverpool go a bit deeper, then you can't write Spurs off. It's it's nearly in their hands. They they still got to play the top two when they're sitting third, which so they are much closer than their points tally represents because they've got control over it. Someone who's not in the title race anymore is Chelsea, because they lost six yes. 0 to Man City. Um, Man City were phenomenal 
like I know we talk about sometimes Man City being a bit boring and playing to a blueprint, but they were amazing and they blew them away. Although my favourite bit in the whole game was Aguero's miss. Um, oh yeah. When they but the best bit about it was Man City went round the back, did a cutback. And the cutback didn't work, so Bernardo Silva just ran round the back again and did another <laughs> cutback. He yeah, like, kind of did like we went three three hundred and sixty degrees. He did like a big I'll circle. Do a cutback, or it didn't work. I'll run round the back, do another cutback, and it worked. And then Aguero missed. But Aguero's second goal was phenomenal. Uh, first goal, first goal, the yeah. one in the top corner. Um, but Man City just blew them away. Like, yeah, ridiculous. I, I'm going to come across as the negative Nancy on today's pod, uh, but fine. Mm-hmm. Negative Nancy. Nancy, I'm keeping that one. That's a real term, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, if you're from the 1950s. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to come across as a negative Nancy on today's pod. Um, I think that Chelsea were horrible. Like Man City were, were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But yeah. as a side point, Chelsea just didn't know what they were doing. Mm. Now, we talk about Sarri Ball, and we talk about you know analysing whether Sarri Ball works in the Premier League, but we're not seeing Sarri Ball. Mm. We're not seeing his team play in the the guise of, of this, this coach that we, that we saw when he was playing overseas, you know, we're not seeing it. His players don't know what they're doing. Now, the, you can tell. So when, when you watch the game, you can tell whether a team knows its role by how many people point. <laughs> so <laughs> when something goes wrong, look yeah. at them. And, and you they go, all point at you, each other. If, if six out of ten are pointing at someone else going... Shouldn't you have been there, or should you? That means they don't know what they're doing, and there's no on-pitch leader who's actually going. Everyone, stop fucking pointing. Do your jobs. Like suck it up. Yeah. Do you know? Do it. And you can see when when Man City scored, they're looking around, going, "Whose fault was that?" They don't know who is to blame for Man City getting through, which means that they don't know their roles well enough. I think also Chelsea's problem. Man City were brilliant and blew them away. But a lot of the players didn't even look that bothered. They'd lost 6-0. There wasn't that kind of... They didn't look that embarrassed. They didn't look like they cared enough. And so there was resignation. Like yeah. It was like it was inevitable. But they, they didn't, know, they didn't know it was their fault. That's, that's well, the thing. Yeah. They, they, just don't, they just don't know that they have done something poorly. Because they, they don't... Sorry, the, what he wants to do on a football pitch is very different to what they're used to. Does that mean, though, they just don't have belief in what Sarri's trying to They preach? just don't get it. So they they, don't, It's not been communicated or it hasn't been uh, practised for long enough for this to be second nature of the side. And, the, and they don't have... You know, I'm going to talk about the old John Terry's or whatever. They, they don't have the players on the pitch who are conveying that message to, to manage it as it goes... He speaks Italian better than he speaks English. It's a multicultural squad. Yeah. They just don't know their structure and they're trying to do it very badly. But do they, I, I disagree that they don't know it. I think they know it, but I don't think they believe in it as a way to win games of football. Or so, have they? I don't know if they've got the right players yeah. to do it. But the other thing, just to play devil's advocate here, they're, they're sixth in the league. Their away record this season and particularly in the last few weeks it's been awful so they've they just lost. got spanked 4-0 by Bournemouth yeah they haven't lost at home yet yeah okay so they're unbeaten at home in the league they've not scored a goal away from home in this year this year so so I wonder is there something about the way that Sarri's setting up his team that works at home and isn't working away well yeah, yeah that makes he, sense he's setting it up the same every week he just doesn't change so, I mean, there we look at 
teams that set up well against Manchester City. They know what Man City do and they change the way that they play against them. We see that every single week, you know, trying to just mitigate the risk of them having space or cutting in from behind and, and catching them on the break. We see teams kind of go against their ethos against Man City. Look at Arsenal. They're a great example. They didn't play the Arsenal way against Manchester City. They they, they didn't yeah. have the, not even say they didn't have the courage, they weren't stupid enough or naive enough yeah. to think that they could... But then out- last year we said that the teams that did well against City were the ones that actually tried to get at them a bit rather than just um, playing for survival from the first minute. There's a difference between trying to get at a team or doing what you do every week. Because what you know is that is that Pep Guardiola and Manchester City will have examined everything you do on a football pitch, and they know what you do. They know yeah. what your players do. the The man is is a is an obsessive Guardiola. So Guardiola will know and will have instilled all week what Chelsea do. So for Sarri not to change anything means that they were playing into the laps of the best team in the league. Now, if you. It, Sarri has not changed anything all season. It's madness. You you can't get away with it. Do so, you think? Sorry, you go. I was going to say. Do you think that's the end of Sarri? Then do you think that's him done? Like, well, we we talked about it last yeah. week, and I mean, the only thing I'd say here is that exactly what we said last week, which is Pep does the same thing in terms of he's only really got one way of doing things. He perhaps adapted it slightly for for Germany and then brought that to the Premier League because I think there's more similarities between German football and English football than there is between Spanish football and English football. But the he effectively has, has got his way of playing. He didn't do great in his first season. And we, you know, so should Sarri be given, you know, John's time periods for transfer windows? Yeah. And I think you have to. I, I can't believe that you can bring someone like Sarri in that is so rigid in the way that he plays and then only give him half a season. I, I I agree. I, th- I mean, I agree and disagree. I think he's going to get the sack, but I think that that's stupid. And and one of the reasons is the when he came in, they redid their youth setup, so they made sure that the the youth age groups were starting to play this kind of Sarri dynamic of football. You know, so they were actually instilling a footballing culture that went beyond the coach. You know, mm. this was they were trying to do what Guardiola did at City three years ago and what they did prior to Guardiola. That was the plan. And bringing Sarri in was the figurehead of that plan. So to sack him after eight months is you're writing off a year. You're writing off investment in structure and coaches and methodology. You're killing it. Mm. Um, short, short term with it, though. Their next uh, four games are massive so, yeah. so for Chelsea. So they've got Malmo twice in the Europa League. Yeah. Now, Europa League is perhaps now their best uh, route into the Champions League. Their favourites to win it. Um, sandwiched in between the Malmo games, uh, Man United in the FA Cup at the weekend, and then um, they've got the Carabao Cup final against Man City. Against Man City, I, do you know? I wouldn't be surprised if they go and win that game one nil after they, getting smashed six nil. Yeah, and they could come. They'll they'll come back after that um, and potentially be you know uh, seven points off top four. It, Interesting. So, I mean, that, that's yeah. a pretty, you know, those those next few games are massive in Sarri's season, I think. You know, before we move completely off this game, Ross Barkley's contribution to <laughs> Sergio Aguero's goal, <laughs> it really did make me think, okay, so for those who haven't seen it, Ross Barkley decided to just head the ball right back into the mixer, <laughs> right yes. over Aguero's shoulder, and he just, like, slotted in. And I took pleasure from that, right? <laughs> Not because Chelsea lost 6-0 or whatever, yeah. but there's something about an Everton player leaving Everton and bringing just a piece of Everton with him 
<laughs> and then I look around at the at the moles Everton have have laid in the Premier League, and I go, "Oh, look at Lukaku! Oh, there he, there he is, pressing, pressing self-destruct at Old Trafford. Yeah. John Stones doing a fucking Rabona in the penalty area of Messi. I do enjoy it when, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna sound like the a very bitter human, but there's something about that, and it also yeah. made me think. If I go beyond that, I reckon that. If you're a Leicester fan right now and you let Kante go, right now watching Kante at Chelsea being played out of position and basically Kante is being destroyed by that. Like it's the, one of the biggest injustices yeah. we've seen this the year. The nicest in football, man in football who who is who is just being abused. It's like yeah. kicking a puppy in the yeah. face. Yeah. I think if you're a Leicester fan, part of you goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, you just find it sad. Do you want no, to see? No, him no, doing I think this. with Kante is a different thing. Like yeah. Ross Barkley left under a bit of a cloud. And refused to sign and just was like, no, I'm too good for Everton now, I'm going to Chelsea. And he could have left in the summer and made you double the money, but went, no, I'm going to be sick and injured at Everton, get paid by them and then leave for half the amount of money in January. Whereas Kante is the nicest man on the planet. And And he's being abused. He's the best. So what about Arsenal fans? How do you think they feel about Sanchez? It's got, yeah. to be, it's got to be similar to the way I feel yeah. about Ross. No, Martin. I think they'll be enjoying that because he. But it's because it read the way that he left the club. So, 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 I, so I'm looking at these players that get kind of cherry picked from these from these clubs and moved on to the bigger club and perform poorly. And I just think you know, there's there's part of that that giving club that you know it lives on, doesn't it? That the the, um, the other thing about that was he gave Alonso a real roasting for the first goal because you know Alonso switched off and oh, yeah. let Silva just completely run in behind him and Barkley was really giving it to him and then, you know, not long afterwards, <laughs> he kind the, the last thing I want to say on this game is just, we talked about Chelsea but also with Man City. Um, Sterling was great in this game again. We yeah, haven't really talked good. about Sterling much mm. this year. Um Again, uh, at the weekend, he's now up to um, being involved in more than 20 goals this season. As in so goal scoring or assist? Either score or assist, so he's 21. Um, there's only three other players that are over 20, which is Salah, Aguero and Hazard. Yeah, wow, so we, don't, we just don't tend to think of Sterling in that bracket of players at the very top, but... I think he is. I, I think, think he so. is now, you know, because he's doing it consistently. Um, and I think we sort of, we forget about, you know, how good he is sometimes. I think he's not massively underrated, but I think he is a little bit underrated because he's learned how to score ugly goals, get himself in that right position, and he's effective. He makes stuff happen. Um, he scored two on the weekend. One was a pretty good goal. One's a tap-in that he always scores. But he makes a point of doing it regularly now, not yeah. just every so often. Um, and his head doesn't go down. He just keeps going and going and going. Um, and I like the fact that he's not really talked about in the media at the moment. Everyone seems to have left him alone and he can just be really good. But do you think he's just good because he's found his place in a system? Like if you put if you put and this is an open open yeah. question if you pulled him out of that Manchester City side and I'm not I'm not dissing the guy but I genuinely believe you that he is probably the one of the four you know in the top four players yeah. in the league but he has found the perfect system to meet his level of his attributes his attributes lend yeah. to the Manchester City system where he's asked to play I don't think there's many players that could do it as well as him though you could put other people in there if you put say Jesse Lingard in there he would do. 
okay, he'll do well and he'd score some goals and get some assists, but he wouldn't do it as well. But he's not as quick and as tricky as Sterling. Agree, but replace Mane with Sterling and he wouldn't be as good. Or replace Lingard and you do it the other way round. I don't think Sterling could do the same job of that other type of winger. So no. I think the Man City system lends itself to Sterling. But he had that great season at Liverpool as well with Suarez. I just think he's one of those players where he's at his best when he isn't having to think too much about things as he goes. So I think that he knows he has the confidence of his coach, that he knows clearly what his role is, and he can just go out and do it and not think too much, he's better. So I think he, I agree with you, I think he needs a certain kind of coach. And I think that season at Liverpool, when he was playing with Suarez and no one expected anything of him, and he could just play, he was brilliant. And then I think... There was the you know the money involved in his transfer. There was the hype, and you know you could see him. He was thinking about when he was through on goal or having to make the final pass. You could see him thinking about it, and it would go wrong. Whereas I think now he's back in that habit of just sort of playing and not thinking too much, and that he seems to produce his best. When he's um, on the last team that uh, in the race for the title, Liverpool, they beat Bournemouth three 0 Comfortable win. The perfect game to play when you're struggling a little bit. Play Bournemouth at home because they'll just attack and then you can just score on the counter-attack. We said that, didn't we? Um, But talking of underrated players, and you mentioned his name, I think Mane is underrated for Liverpool. Like Mane always scores in big games. He always gets 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10. He runs and runs and runs. Salah can kind of go a bit on the periphery. Firmino can have an off game. Mane just seems to always be there and always perform and he doesn't get the floor. Do, do you know what I think about Mane? Yeah. I think he always hits the ball harder than he needs to to be sure. <laughs> he just smacks Do you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. like when he's run, you can see sometimes he's clear, he's running in, you're like, all you need to do is sight foot it. Just yeah. be sure, like work the percentages. You are 95% chance to get it on target if you just side foot it. And he puts Wait. his laces through and it goes into the top corner. I'm like, <laughs> That was unnecessarily excellent. <laughs> yeah. And the amount of times he is unnecessarily excellent. Yeah. He doesn't need to but do I it. It's just the confidence and natural ability. It's brilliant yeah. to watch. Because it's, it's, he's just given him a 50-50 when he had a 95. But yeah. he still makes it in. <laughs> he was the best player in the Champions League final last year. Yes. By a fair way, I think. He really caused yeah. Madrid problems. He scored four and four. Yeah. Uh, first time in his career he's done that. No, I agree. I think of the three, he probably gets the least amount of credit. Yeah. Um Firmino has been a bit off form, but his assist oh, his back heel uh, to Salah. was a mm, bit tasty. Yeah, yeah. and the other um, Kaita yeah. uh, looked a bit better this game. My some, of his, some of his interplay, he's coming for a bit of criticism of late, but I thought some of his interplay with the front three um, was good. And I think the other one was um, Trent Alexander Arnold was back only as a sub but I think when he came on you just saw the pace that Liverpool can play at lift like you talked about in terms yeah. last week in terms of him being able to overlap and it means that Salah can push inside and give some yeah. more variability in attack and I think he will make a, a big difference yeah. and uh, lastly on the Liverpool game Wijnaldum's goal was amazing oh like, yeah his little lob and he apparently had been up all night with the shits and diarrhoea and was vomiting everywhere and was really ill and was ill at half time as well. So, but he's just like, no, I'll play for it. It's all right. And then it just scores a wonder goal. It's a great goal. It was yeah. such a good goal. Um, moving off the title race to the top four, um, Man United are now up to fourth um, because we beat Fulham three 0 away. Um, but this morning we played in the Champions League and lost to PSG. Um, first loss. First loss for Solskjaer. Uh, it's 
a bit of a reality check, I think, for us Man United fans because we thought we were going to win every game forever and win everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, in a way, I'm glad we've lost because it does make you go, oh yeah, we're at that's our level. Like we've actually played a lot of crappy teams, and yes, we had a good result against Spurs, um, and we drew with Leicester, I think. Um, but we've actually played mainly crappy teams. Now we play against a PSG team who are brilliant. And it makes you go, okay, there's still a lot to work on here. There's still a- Yeah, I liked it. It was <laughs> like it was like a little bit of don't get ahead of yourselves, United. You're not back yet. You've got a little bit of a way to go before you're up with the top top teams. Um, which I think's probably yeah. true. Um I, I hate to defend Man United, but I am going to a little bit though, in that I thought the referee really didn't help you today and I thought he was crap. I was like, this was a big game. In the first half, the referee was awful. So many yellow cards. But and just so many unnecessary free kicks and it completely like stymied the flow of the game. So it was just stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, free kick after free kick, niggly stuff. Like I think and he, this referee's way of stamping his authority seemed to be give cards. Whereas I think if he would have just let the game flow and talk more, then you know I think it would have been a better game. And also, I really think that stopped you getting up any sort of momentum in the first half because PSG were trying to slow the game down. Yeah, um, the first and- like first twenty minutes, half hour, United had a bit of pace about them, and Pogba was involved in the game, and there was something happening, and there was an enthusiasm there. The crowd were up for it. But yeah, it kind of stop, start, stop, start. And then PSG started getting their foot on the ball and they just slowed the game right down. And we couldn't get the ball off um, Verratti in midfield. And yeah, he was good. He was really, really good. Um, and it was it just meant that we couldn't get the ball. And then when we did get the ball, we were like, we've got the ball, panic, let's attack. And then we've given the ball straight back to them. And we just got schooled in how to play European football under a referee that's like, playing like that things that referee is very typical of European football yeah, yeah. Uh, you need experience uh, and this is what I'm not going to kind of shit on Solskjaer yeah. but you do need experience in, in setting the expectation of your side that this is the kind of ref you'll be playing against you can't go into it like it's a tumble dryer in Europe you, yeah. it's just, you're going to get sent off and, and yeah. it was inevitable in the first 10-15 minutes the first yellow card that came out was so soft yeah. I was like he set the tone here that it almost like you know, I, I my mind wandered about halfway through that first half and thinking, well, are English teams at a bit of a disadvantage playing in this competition because the what you are used to as a benchmark of what you're allowed in the Premier League is very different to the letter of the law in Europe. And there are other European leagues that if you're an English football fan, if you're a Premier League fan, you watch and you think, oh, they roll over and they dive. and But actually, that's the level of European football officiating that if you don't do that, you're not going to gain those marginal advantages that, that PSG obviously did. I'm not going to put it down to marginal yeah. advantages. They were the better side. Yeah. But I think United came in with a bit of naivety to their level of intensity. Yeah. But one thing that frustrates me is, is the, the reaction to Pogba after this game. Obviously, he got his second year. They got sent off. Yeah. So be it. You know, that's that's a poor end to his yeah. game. But there's been a lot of um, a lot of negative talk about his performance. Now, as you said, the first half an hour or so, he was really good. Yeah. Now, he's allowed one bad half, yeah. in my opinion. Since Solskjaer took over, he has scored the most goals for United, which is eight. He's got the most assists at five. He's got the most shots on target, the most chances created, and the most complete take-ons. 
He's also been involved in more goals in that time than anyone else in the Premier League. So the to jump on him after a poor second half against a team that were obviously superior in an environment where he was already on a yellow card and he knew it was volatile, I think that's really lazy journalism. And also PSG um, had pinpointed Pogba as the main threat. Like they went, okay, this main night team are playing good, but what everything does go through Pogba really. So he's they the, went after him. He's the connection between the midfield and the attack. Uh, if you stop Pogba, uh, to a point, you stop Man United. I think that's where Man United need to evolve and Solskjaer needs to evolve as a coach. If Pogba's out of the game, how do you use the rest of the team to negate that? Particularly and, if you're playing Herrera and Matic, because yes. they're both fairly limited. So where's your creativity? Yeah, from? and there's part of me that wonders whether that's the kind of game you pay, You start with Matter instead of Lingard. You lose the pe- pace, but you have the quality on the ball and you can get hold of the ball and you have someone who can pass in the small spaces. Um, but uh, yeah, PSG just set up with Marquinhos, the Brazilian centre back in centre midfield, um, and he just took for Pogba out of the game. Played brilliantly, but yeah, there's nothing down to Pogba. If you get my man marked out of the game, you get my marked out. Especially of the game. by by such an excellent player, he was man of the match in my opinion. Yeah, he was brilliant. Um, he was everywhere. There, there were points where he was in the attacking thirds because he was man marking Pogba. It was it was absolutely brilliant to watch from a PSG perspective. I mean. This is it, right? You, you have to um, you have to acknowledge that from a importance of competition. United are just getting into the top four; they're looking to qualify for next year. You know, there's lots going on in Manchester United's world. PSG are what fifteen points clear or whatever it is in yeah. the French league. I mean, I'm, I'm making that up, but you have probably, yeah, but, but you don't know, be right. <laughs> which is the point. The they only concentrate on this competition the money that they spend is so that they can do well in this competition this is their pinnacle and if they don't perform a manager gets sacked as soon as oh, they sorry Jeff fact check you're wrong they're 14 points okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like this this is it for them this is this is what they've built up for they are gonna the intensity is gonna be high but measured you know this is the whole point whereas United have got games that are like a tumble dryer every weekend so uh, two things on this game Um, we talked about naivety in terms of the way that United played and perhaps didn't play the referee very well I also think there was some naivety in the second goal now I love Mbappe's goal I love I love this goal so much because yeah, it's, it's like finish. watching a hundred meter race or um, a horse race. In that you see Di Maria is a good counter attack. Di Maria's got the ball on the left, but the United centre backs have at least five to six yards start <laughs> on Mbappe, and suddenly you just see him like appear between the two of them, and you just know that he's the one that's going to get there on the finish line and tuck it in. But you, as you're seeing him running through, I'm like, if we went back in time here to, you know, the last time United were a dominant force in the Champions League and had some of their centre-backs, there is no way that a Yapstam or a Pallister or someone like that would let Mbappe run through. Take a foul, just take the yellow card. Because you can do it outside the box and it's not a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Now, I know, I know that's very cynical, but to it's me, true. you do that every time. Yeah, and because they ran from quite far yeah. out. Because it was the, both the centre-backs, Lindelof and Bayou would chase sing Mbappe and he ran between the two of them with not a lot of space either. And there is nothing stopping one of them at the start of that running race just stepping in front. Yeah, and it's a yellow card. It's a free kick. And but do we, it. 
and you just do it and you go, oh, sorry. It happens all over the world yeah. every week. It's a professional foul. That's what happens. And if it's 1-0, yeah. United is still... And I, So I think that was also really, really naive. And if I was Solskjaer, I would be absolutely going off at those two players because I thought that was a, that's a key moment in the tie. Yeah. The, the other one I wanted to bring up, what Di Maria obviously mm. didn't have the best time at United, but I wasn't aware that he left on bad terms. But the fans were really, really... There was a thing where he drank a, a beer. They pretended to drink beer because they threw it at him. Yeah, but I was, was watching the scene when he was taking a corner and the fans were just absolutely giving it to him. Where, where does that come from? I, so, Di Maria came to the UK and did started really well at Man United. And then after about being at Man United for three months, his house got broken into and his wife That's and funny. kids were at home and it really shook up them, which is fair enough. Um, and they didn't want to live there anymore. And I think they left at that point, and he was just like, I'll, I'll, I'll stay here and wait until we're finished, and then I'll do a year or whatever and leave. But I think, and this is purely my speculation, so I don't know if this is true, but I think the Man United fans kind of took it as like, oh, you don't like our town, you don't like Manchester and stuff, and you don't like... Because Man United fans generally just don't boo ex-players. It just doesn't happen. Um, Paul Lintz used to get booed a little bit because he went to Liverpool, um, but he went to Inter in between, so it was kind of two steps removed. Um, but yeah, I think it's down to the fact that like Di Maria didn't like Manchester, his family didn't like Manchester, but then it was Manx who broke into his house. <laughs> yeah, but they, they were really giving him a hard time, yeah. and if I was Di Maria, I'd be like, I th- I'm pretty sure I saw him mouthing after the first goal, like, you know... Like telling them to fuck off or something because yeah. they were saying it to him. But I mean, he's you know he's come up with two assists. You know the key moments in the game and his his cross from Mbappe's goal was very oh, good. Very like there's only one spot where he could put that, yeah. um, and so that must be satisfying. But yeah, I, I just thought that was a bit odd. Yeah. And I think it made, if anything, it made him play better. It just got him up for the game. Like, yeah. I'm going to perform and do well here. I think last thing on the Man United game, I think it's important now for Solskjaer how Man United react. Like if we panic or we don't learn anything from it and we don't go into the second leg and change the way we play slightly or come up with a different plan, um, it will show naivety and not knowing how to manage a club at this level because it's easy to manage a team when you just keep winning. Um, We've got Chelsea in the FA Cup, as you said, this weekend, and then Liverpool in the league and then PSG. So the next three games are huge. So it's a bit of a going from honeymoon period to baptism of fire. Um, Pogba will only miss Europe is that yeah, only yeah. Europe the, the balance on this game is is I know you lost 2-0 at home I get that but if you get the first goal in Paris the fact that as I said the, the 15-14 points ahead this is it and the crowd will suddenly get nervous it'll be like Liverpool playing at Anfield right now it would be shit it's all going wrong again you get one goal up you've got it when the Barcelona game is forever going to be in their head because yeah. what were they four 0 up from the first yeah, leg? Yeah, and they lost five one or whatever it was. Like that's before. always going to be there. Uh, that, that stuff doesn't. Even when the yeah. players that were involved in that have moved on, that sort of results in the fans. Yeah, 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 yeah the fans get nervous, yeah. then the crowd gets nervous. Yeah. Um, the other Champions League game this morning was Roma against Porto, um, and there was a person I wanted to bring up as a one to watch who scored both goals for Roma. Is Zaniolo? He's only 19. Yeah, 19. And he's just started playing for Roma this season and scored a few goals in the league. But this is his first Champions League goals and to get two in one game. So he's basically, watch out for him, he's good. 
Do you know the? It, um, this was a pretty crap game um, by, <laughs> by, by all accounts. I was like, I was watching the the other one this morning. I was like, oh, this is Champions League's back. Nil, 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 nil. Yeah, right. yeah. When, yeah, when yeah. something's going to happen, go on. And um, but it, in the first half of this game, um, there were only five shots. Oh God! Total. Um, which is the least I think in any half of football this season or something and someone made wow. a comment like even less than a Jose Mourinho game wow yeah. wowzers um, moving back from Europe to uh, the Premier League um, let's have a look at the relegation battle because suddenly it is ridiculously tight Fulham and Huddersfield are basically down and they've both lost but between Palace in 13th who are on 27 points and Southampton in 18th who are on 24 points. There's three points between the bottom, those six. Um, it's just carnage. C- can I just say that Huddersfield didn't look that bad against Arsenal? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I've, I've said, can I say that? I'm going to say that. <laughs> You've already said it. <laughs> and I know Arsenal won 2-1 away from home, fine. Beating Huddersfield is, is, is a banker this, this year. But they didn't look, again, they're not as bad as their position says. They're not going to get out of it. They're fucked. We're going to see you later. It's a shame. So the beauty of relegation and promotion is someone else who we've never seen before, you know, maybe a Bristol City, who knows, Roger, might come up to the Premier League and that would be a very interesting thing that we could enjoy. But I don't think Huddersfield were as bad as um were as bad as another negative result suggests. No, and but I think the fact that Burnley and Cardiff won away from home against relegation rivals is massive because I said last week or the week before, I can't remember, but all the bottom six or seven are playing each other over the next few weeks. Yeah. And they're the games you have to win. And what's happening now is they're actually just beating each other and squashing the whole thing back together. So Brighton are right back in it. Like three weeks ago, Brighton were up and it was done. Um, and anyone from good. Uh, Palace down, I think. Palace in 13th. And they've been slipping a bit lately. I think they're in it. Um, Tom Heaton, again for Burnley. So it's Burnley are unbeaten in seven since Tom Heaton came into the team and I think they're I mean out of all those teams that are there I think I it's almost at the point now where I'd back Burnley um, yeah they've, they've got the they, run they just form. seem to have got the run of form yeah. but you almost can't um, you can't, can't back them because they're crap <laughs> yeah no, but I'm, I'm looking at the table you almost can't take credit for your league position so let me explain that like if you aim at the beginning of the year for a top half finish for example if you're Leicester and you're sitting 12th, are you performing poorly? You're one point off 8th. Yeah. Like it, 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 you can't go, oh, well, 12th is bad. It's a bottom half league. It's, we're not achieving our objectives. You're one point off. It's so tight that you almost can't look at league rankings as a representation of the progress you're making as a club. And if it's still this tight at the end, remember Rafa Benitez's comments about Newcastle last season. He goes, oh, what, he won the last three games. And so they that? bumped him up to 10th. So they went from 17th to 10th. Yeah. He goes, great, everyone's like, wow, you finished 10th with Newcastle. He's like, well, yeah, but I won three games at the end of the year when no one else gave a shit yeah. against teams that didn't give a shit because they were the teams that I just yeah. you know, leapfrogged <laughs> to, to finish 10th. And you, you're seeing it again this year. I think West Ham are better than their position. I, th- I think, obviously... Everton are probably worse than their position. Um, <laughs> I think Watford have, have been excellent. I think Leicester, you know, Leicester are better. I think Crystal Palace are coming into form. I, I just think that they're they're so condensed that where they sit in the league almost doesn't matter. Yeah, well, you're right. But I think because it's so condensed, the relegation battle is going to be awesome. Because I think, what is there, yeah. 12 games left? 
Um, and it's just going to be up so to tight. And there's always someone that gets sucked in. And I mean, even Fulham, I think Huddersfield are definitely gone. But even Fulham could still make a fight of it. It only takes you know a couple of wins and they're right back in that picture. Yeah, yeah you suddenly get win two or three in a row and you're suddenly right back there. Um, no, okay. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, go on. I'm going to be a Nancy again. I think, and I'm, ch- I'm changing my mind about Fulham, I think that Fulham should be a martyr club. What do you mean? I think that they deserve to go down this season. And I think they deserve to go down because what they did when they got promoted was disgusting. Because they bought loads of players. Because they completely scrapped the team that got them up and they spent a hundred odd million pounds to replace a starting eleven. That starting eleven didn't bed in quick enough, so they sacked the manager that got them promoted, and now they're a fucking mess. And the fans this week, so they lost at home to Man United three 0 Fulham just didn't turn up. Their, yeah. their centre back, Le Marchand, Le Marchand, Le Marchand, yeah. um, had one of the Looks worst crap. games I've ever seen in the Premier League. Like basically, he should not have been there, and it would have been better. Like he just gave goals to Man United, but it was the first time the Fulham fans have kind of voiced their concerns about Ranieri. Ranieri's only been there, what, eight, ten games, but they've now just gone, what are you doing? Because they've run out of patience. Partly because they're not playing Tom Kearney, who's the club captain and was their best player last year, and they're not playing Sessignon, who's obviously the young kid that everyone loves. And so he's not playing these kind of local guys that are part of the club and have been for a long time, like you're saying, and bought the team up. And he's just like, oh, I'll buy Lazar Markovic, who has been at... Liverpool for five years and not played a game. Babel. Um, Babel. Although Babel did look good. He does look good. But, but individually. But you're right, they're, they're more they're mercenaries. Yes. He's playing the mercenary types rather than the you know heart and soul of the club. The people and that it, care. And that gets the fans behind them as well. 100% right. And I think when Huddersfield came up, they bought a few players, but they really just stuck with the team that got them promoted. because they And they, so we spoke about it last, the beginning of last season on the shed. Like one thing that people aren't giving them the credit for is Huddersfield are a winning side together and they've not changed which means that they know how to win games of football and they got up on a huge winning run got through in the playoffs and they're going to take this into the Premier League Fulham took that into the Premier League dismantled it before it started and then panicked early on and I think that Fulham should have learned their lesson from QPR was it eight years ago when QPR came up and did exactly the same thing and went down in financial ruin so I almost look at look at Fulham and think, you know, the mystique's gone for me. When they go down, that should be a lesson for what mm. it is to come up from the championship because you can come up and stay. Yeah, it's possible to be the worst Premier League side we've seen in a long time and come up and stay like Huddersfield were last year. And Cardiff might stay up this year, and they've done exactly that. They haven't bought loads of players. They bought one or two, um, and they've tweaked their team a little bit. But fundamentally. They still play Neil Warnock football, and they, they do exactly the same as they did last year. They deserve it. Like, yeah. And I say, I don't mean as a club, I mean as players. Yeah. You strive all year to get promoted into the Premier League. You know, you're texting your nan, yeah. going, I'll be on match of the day next year, nan, yeah. it's going to be amazing. Like, yeah. It's great if your nan's got a mobile phone, which she probably doesn't. <laughs> it, it's, that's an exciting thing, and that was robbed from yeah. these Fulham players who've got them promoted. And I, and I think that in itself is enough of a disgrace to go, see you later, bargain basement, you've earned your, you've earned your time in the championship, I'll see you when you've learned your lesson. You can see why they did it though. Like, why, you know, there's the allure of the Premier League, the guy's got a lot of money. You can see, you can see exactly why he did it, but I agree, I agree with you, but I, I actually think the bigger mistake and that 
I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we we talked about it at the time. But getting rid of Jukanovic was kind of the you know he was the one when they brought in players. At least there was still a link between the players they had and the new players coming in, and it was just starting to work. And then they got rid of yeah, him. Yeah, and then they went no. Um, and so I think that 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 has proved to be the most significant decision that the owners made, and I. I they're going to struggle with that. Remember, I mean, if you go on a website, you can listen to our back catalogue. And you remember the, <laughs> the week before they sacked Jukanovic, we were sitting here going, they are better than yes. they yeah. are representing. And when you watch them play football, it's just starting to work. Um, does anyone have anything else on the Premier League before we move on to side stories? Uh, no. No, all good. Um, has anyone got any side stories? Yes. Go on, Rog, what have you got? Uh, well, uh, there was a United theme. Uh, Paul Scholes um, made his managerial debut this morning, which I'm sure you would have been very excited about. Yes, they about. won 4-1 for Oldham against... MK Dons. MK Dons, I think, yeah. Uh, I actually thought of Jeff when I saw this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because uh, Oldham's first goal scorer, Jose Baxter. Oh, wow. Former Everton wonder kid, yeah. Jose Baxter. But, uh, He's an Oldham stalwart now. Yeah, but I, no, I, I, it's exciting. I saw Paul Scholes and I'm like, it just makes me think Paul Scholes. I love Paul Scholes. I have a little inkling, and this is because I have rose tinted glasses on, that Paul Scholes is going to be a brilliant manager. <laughs> <laughs> just, of course you do. Yeah, because, but I just, everything he does, he does really well. He's always very unassuming and he doesn't put across this kind of big persona or whatever and he's quite shy. But when he puts his mind to something, he's really good at it. And he, I think he's had enough time to think about it. There's been possibilities for him coming coach and then it's not quite happened. And now he's had enough time to think about it. I think he's really up for this and he's going to do really well. I hope so because he's one of the best <coughs> footballers I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, maybe the best. Uh, he's, in the, he's in the argument for the mm. best. Um, you see that there was a problem with his registration mm. so because he's obviously an owner of Salford City and Salford City are in the league below Oldham which means that if Salford get promoted he is in serious jeopardy Yes, and, and, and that's something that unless he relinquishes his uh, stake in Salford will follow him for his whole career well, well I think he would in yeah, that case. yeah what he's said is that he his money is still in the club at Salford but he doesn't have a role. He doesn't have an active role anymore because he's taken this job up. He doesn't have an active role. Yeah, but that's a bit Trump and Trump Hotel, isn't it? I don't like it. Okay, so okay, so let's say on the last day of the season, Oldham play Salford. If Salford win, Salford get promoted, and it's a huge windfall. Mm. You know, shares in Salford. If Oldham lose, they don't get relegated. They're just mid-table, whatever. You know, you've got to say that that is that's a conflict. That's a conflict yeah. of interest. So, so I, I absolutely stand behind that being a problem. Phil Neville was asked this on the radio this morning, and he said, um, and he's also a part owner of Salford, and they, he said, and like he's obviously saying it from a business end or whatever. He said it's quite simple. He's manager of Oldham. He wants Oldham to win, and we don't. That's it. No, I don't. I don't buy it. Not that I don't. Yeah, I'm not saying that he has a conflict of interest. Yeah. I'm saying that there can be a situation that very easily develops that will put that in the spotlight where there's no way out apart from relinquishing control of one or the other. But Oldham are going to get promoted four years in a row anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to win the league. Um, I feel we should just uh, nod to um, Gordon Banks as well. Just the yes. sad news overnight that Gordon Banks passed away. Um, 
will be remembered certainly in England as as one of the greatest goalkeepers of, of all time. And I mean, I I remember the first time I saw the Gordon Bank save um, from Pele in the, the seventy World 70 Cup. World Cup. Um, it's just one of those moments when you when you love football that you, there are certain moments you always remember, and when you see that, that's one of them. Have you heard Pele's quote about that? No. When he was interviewed and asked about that, he said. I've scored a thousand goals in my career and everyone remembers me for the one that got saved. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, Gordon Banks won FIFA Goalkeeper of the Year for six years. So six occasions, which is more than any goal year. Yeah, so. which is pretty special. It's pretty amazing. Um, also, we mentioned last week about Hakim Al-Arabi, who was being held in a Thai prison. And he landed in Melbourne yesterday as a free man. So yeah. that's really exciting. Great news. So it's really good news. So fuck you, FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> you could not have said that better. Rich. <laughs> I I agree. Um, and, and he obviously for this is global news. Mm. He obviously plays for Pasco Vale, which is about five blocks up the road. We are in Pasco Vale right now. Uh, we should go watch his first game back. They play Heidelberg tomorrow night um, away in the first round of the NPL. So that starts tomorrow night. Uh, their first home game is in about two or three weeks. So yeah. he says he's been training. Yeah, they'll get quite a crowd for that first game. Yeah, game so yeah, we should yeah. definitely go and support that. Um, Jeff, do you have any side stories? No, just great to be back. I've got one more <laughs> side story about the Turkish Super League, um, and it was Fenerbahce versus Gaztepe, um, and it was on the second of February. So I'm a week late on bringing this up, but I forgot to bring it up last week. But I've mentioned um, the Turkish league a little bit this season because there's some random old players playing in the league and Fenerbahce are doing crap. Um, Andre Ayu scored for Fenerbahce to put them 1-0 up. (laughs) It's a graveyard, isn't it? Um, He was playing just off the striker, who was Roberto Soldado. (laughs) Um, But for Goztepe up front, their striker got sent off, who was Cameron Jerome. No. Wow, Cameron Jerome, <laughs> who uh, is we never fed up of being too good for the championship and not good enough for the Premier League. I'll go to Turkey, <laughs> um, and so he got sent off. And Fenerbahce bought off the bench Victor Moses. Oh my god, who scored the second goal to make it two 0 So I just enjoyed that ex Premier League player wow. fiasco. It um, is terrible. It's amazing. Yeah, um, um, I got one other very one. brief one. Uh, sorry, lots of side stories no. this week. Um, and again, this, this is uh, one for Jeff. But I read some sad news this morning, Jeff. Oh, yeah? Um, there's been lots of... Uh, the Spurs stadium debacle is ongoing, and there's obviously talk now that it won't be finished this year. The toilet seat. Um, the toilet seat. You know but, it looks like a toilet seat? Uh, well, no. From the, from, the from, the, from the top down, okay. it's shaped. It's got like a flat kind of flat end it looks like a, like like you should have a big maybe that's, shit in it. maybe they're um, you know sort of having second thoughts and that's why they haven't finished it but one thing that definitely won't be finished is the cheese room they've scrapped so, the cheese they've room. scrapped the cheese room so apparently that as part of their you know corporate packages there was going to be you know a choice of cheeses while you're watching your game but they've now scrapped it yeah. well do you think that's the safety concern that's that's delayed the whole thing yeah it's just well, maybe they couldn't work out where to put the cheese room now they've decided. So if you didn't have enough motivation to dislike Spurs, they're now dissing oh, the cheese. Look, I, 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 I joke, but their stadium is amazing. Oh, when you ridiculous. see footage on the inside of that place, wait till it's on the telly. Yeah, it'd be great. Like Google it, YouTube it, whatever, but wait till that place is rocking for a football yeah. match. It's going to be outrageous. Um, Jeff, have you got a song for an end feature for yeah, us? Yeah, I do. You ready? Yeah, go on. 
Oh, good. Is that a new one? Yeah, it goes up. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, good one. Um, so last week in the end feature, um, I've written down here, Rog was shit, I was <laughs> average, and Jeff, you're one goal away. Again. again. Oh, Jeff. Again. Just so close. Which was the Palace, no, the West Ham game, wasn't it? Yeah, it needed uh, West Ham to win against Palace, and Zaha ruined it for you. Um, but... With the new website, footballshed.com, you can see our bets each week on the end feature page. Um, and it also has our rundown of how we've done every week so far. So you can see how bad Jeff is. It's pretty, pretty confronting. <laughs> it is, yeah. When you yeah. see it in spreadsheet form, it's quite bad. I mean, it looks good. I said, well, let me explain that. It looks good because it looks like I've made money, but the spreadsheet doesn't include how much we've spent. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, I'm on $47. It's what, game week 28? It's $280 in down the fucking Spurs toilet seat. Um, so what are you going to do this week to rectify it, Joe? Well, I think that United will beat Chelsea in the FA Cup. Yeah, nice. Even though Chelsea haven't lost at home yet this year. But Chelsea are a disgrace. They don't know what they're doing. David Luiz is just going to start pointing and everyone's going to start running in a direction. They don't know what direction. They're just going to start running and pointing and everyone pointing and running. And um, I think United are going to win. It's paying $3.30. Simple as that. Nice. Solid. Rog, what go, on, go on, Rog. Tell me what? you think that's a good No, bet. no. I've also got United to beat Chelsea. Ah. Uh, because... But then afterwards, I was like, oh, that seems like Man U paying over over the odds. And then I looked that Chelsea haven't lost at home all year. And I was like, oh, that would oh, be why. Uh, but I've also gone with that because I think the um, Man United have got great squad depth. I think that they were never going to win the Champions League. But I think that Solskjaer will want to win something this year. The league's gone. So I think FA Cup is their focus. Yeah. I think he'll want to win. A, yeah. He'll want to make Champions League, win a trophy. Um, so that's that's... My first leg, and then I've got uh, gone with form, and I've got Real Madrid to beat um, Ajax um, yeah. in the Champions League tomorrow morning, and over one and a half goals, and that together is paying nine dollars forty-five. Nine forty-five. Wow, big one. Um, I've actually gone for the Champions League tomorrow morning as well. Um, bit of a random one, but I'm mildly confident. I think possibly. He <laughs> sounded. Um, Spurs v Dortmund. I've put a. Uh, Multi on the same game to be over two and a half goals, over five and a half cards, and over eight and a half corners. What? So it's got to be three goals. No, I understand. <laughs> yes. I understand, okay. but w- were you drunk? No, I'm not drinking in February, so I was definitely You were sober, sober. that's the problem, yeah. Run um, through it again. So over two and a half goals. Tick. Any between both teams. Over five and a half cards. So European referees. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I get yeah, that one. There's quite yeah, a yeah. few cards there, isn't it? And over eight and a half corners cards. in the whole game. I think it's going to be nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> With a perfect disciplinary record. <laughs> and that's paying $15. Wow. Wow. So that is... Uh, $15. My bet. Yeah, yes. that's. I, I think that could be good, John. Um, and partly because I can't wait to watch the game tomorrow morning. I hope it's a really exciting game. You want to have game. more on it. Yeah. yeah. yeah so good I want one. it to be an exciting game. Um, has anyone got anything before we go? No, it's great to be back. Check out the website. It's pretty cool. Oh, sorry, John. You can do your, your end bit. <laughs> that's, that's the bit I did. It's my 5.5% beer. That's the problem. <laughs> um, but yes, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the website. Um, we will be back next week. But yes, the website is footballshed.com. 
Um, it looks get... really good too, everyone. We're not it's... just spruiking it. It does look really good. It is very shiny and nice. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast.gmail.com or you can just press on the button on the website. Wow. Um, and don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe and tell your mates and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>